On the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the armed forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future and our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am the moderator of the Current Issues and the Constitution show. And with me today, of course, is our presenter and the main guy, uh, Professor Wilson. Welcome. Thank you, Felice. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad, too, because uh, we are going to be true to our word here, and we are going to talk about current issues that are happening today and take questions from the audience um, as they come in. So if you are part of the audience, we welcome any questions. And so uh, the question that we've already got so far before we even started the show fits in perfectly with what you're going to be starting with, and that is uh, the current issues with the uh, threatening of uh, the shutdown of the government as well as the health care issue, which is um, a bigger issue than any of us, I think, expected. So Bethany from Georgia asks, why exactly did government shut down? So I, I, she did put shut down everything, but I know not everything has been shut down. So, uh, Professor, I'll let you go ahead and get started and sit back, excuse me, and sit back, and I will be uh, asking you questions as they come in. Okay, and um, uh, thank you for that very excellent question. And let me put your fears to rest. October the 1st, yesterday, came and went. The government did not shut down. That was a media exaggeration that's been out there for the last two or three weeks. Right now, on October the 2nd, and it will continue, 85% of the more than $3 trillion government that we have is still operating. Some selected uh, agencies were directed by the president and his uh, budget office to close down. Other agencies were asked to delay services, and none of them were essential. There will be no harm, no pain to any American citizen because of the, well, the media is now saying partial shutdown. I even heard one say, slim down. Nonetheless, uh, government is still out there operating uh, the crucial and the important uh, programs that many Americans depend on. So the government is operating uh, the media hype. Uh, you're going to get that a lot. Uh, there used to be a time, uh, maybe four or five decades ago, when you could believe uh, what you heard in the news, and that is no longer true because politics has just been a mushrooming bubble that just seems to infect all living things, especially human beings. The United States Congress, the presidency, the whole uh, aspect of Washington, D.C. 
Now, let me explain to you what happened. Last year's budget runs out on October the 1st. So the House of Representatives, which is charged by the Constitution to initiate budget legislation, is expected or would in this case, the new budget is not totally ready. So what they normally do is pass a continuing re resolution, which continues the previous year's budget until the new budget is approved. So the House of Representatives has the obligation to start the process. And a few weeks ago, they announced that attached to their continuing re resolution to continue the budget as, it, as is uh, 2013, they were going to attach to it a bill that has everything, has nothing to do with it, and it has everything to do with it, the bill to defund what the media calls Obamacare. And by the way, I don't call it Obamacare. Uh, President Obama did not write this bill. It was essentially written by staff members of senators and representatives in the Congress. And it's called the Affordable Care and Patient Protection Act. I simply call it the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. So when I say ACA, um, you might be thinking Obamacare. So this bill... The continuing resolution with defunding the ACA attached went to the Senate, and the Senate rejected it out flat, without discussion, uh, without debate. It was simply, well, there was some debate. It was simply rejected. Okay, so immediately, now a great deal of what's happening is just entirely political. I would love to say to you, that in Congress right now, there are 535 wonderful, dedicated people, representatives and senators who are devoted to this country and to solving problems. I would love to say that. But unfortunately, politics to them, advancing their agenda, getting reelected, those kinds of things seem to be more important. And it's just too bad that 535 very well-educated people cannot manage to get together, negotiate, compromise, as we did to get the Constitution back in 1787, and solve a problem that could have very bad effects on the American people. All right, so the bill is sent back to the House. So the House says, okay, that's going nowhere. So they sent another continuing re resolution with the attachment that the implementation of the ACA would be delayed for one year. And that was tied to the continuing resolution. Now, Republicans control the House. Democrats control the Senate. Uh, Democrats are elected to, by their states and by their constituents to advance the agenda uh, that we have seen for the last several decades of the government uh, trying to solve problems, dealing with poverty, dealing with health care, and all of those kinds of things. And it's their job to do that. They um, have the tendency to give us more government and more government power and, uh, and government policy that just becomes increasingly expensive. And apparently they are not concerned about the rapid growth, about $3.5 billion a day, of the national debt. 
All right, so that basically is what they're doing. Republicans, on the other hand, are elected to oppose those things, to get the debt under control, to eliminate the um, annual deficit where Congress spends more money than they take in and all that adds to the national debt. It's their job to oppose um, the ACA and fix all of the things that Democrats and Republicans both agree are wrong with it. And they want to, so the second resolution they sent asked for a one-year delay. Now, they're taking their cue from the president. The president, more than a week ago, granted waivers or exceptions to big businesses, labor unions, members of Congress, federal workers. In fact, in fact federal workers, will, when they pay for their medical care, will now be subsidized by you, you and me, the, the taxpayer. We're going to pay part of their bill. We're going to pay our own, and we're going to pay a good part of theirs. So Republicans take the cue. All right, we delayed it for those friends of, of the president. Let's delay it for everybody. Well, the Senate rejected that as well, flat out, just like the first one. So now what would normally happen in this situation is that a, con con a conference committee would be established, and several Republicans from the House would join with several Democrats from the Senate, and they would sit down together and get into the problem-solving mode. Well, Harry Reid, the majority leader of the Senate, refuses to do that. Republicans in the House want to go to conference committee, but the Senate will not cooperate. So it's basically a standoff. Now, here's the politics. Republicans knew long before uh, they had to know last summer that attaching defunding and delay to a continuing resolution would not pass the Senate, and even if it did, which it never would, the president would veto it. They knew that in advance. So why do it? It appears that they, it appears that, and this is a hypothesis, that they want to bring the whole issue of the Affordable Care Act before the American people, they want it to become a centerpiece of the national discussion because they know, they've seen the polls, that Americans largely disfavor the Affordable Care Act. Up to about 75% of the American people are not happy with that piece of legislation. And Republicans knew that going in. So politically, in the political sense, they are trumpeting the issue and trying to get American people on their side. Well, Democrats are doing the same thing. And Democrats responded, and, and in some ways they have an advantage because they do have the support about, of about 75% of the televised media outlets. We talked about this last year in the government class, NBC, CBS, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, all have become mouthpieces of Democratic uh, liberal legislation. And there's no problem with that. The First Amendment uh, grants freedom of the press as well as freedom of speech. And so they have every right to do that. We might wish that they were objective, uh, but they're simply not. So what happened two, two, two and a half weeks ago when it became clear that the Republicans are going to send the continuing revolution with a defunding proviso? The um, Democratic Party and the liberal community reacted. Now, here's what happens. 
their, their job is to politicize and sensationalize a point of view on an issue. And here's how it essentially works. They, uh, I don't know whether they email each other or text each other or they Skype each other or maybe they meet together uh, someplace um, out of public view and they decide on what their strategy is going to be, what their talking points are going to be, and who is going to say what. So for the last two years, we've heard it over and over and over again in those liberal, from those liberal media outlets, um, how bad the Republicans are and, and how political they are and, and how wrong they are to ask for defunding of a law that was passed and upheld by the United States Supreme Court and all those kinds of things. Now, to give evidence of this, I noticed on one day, and um, because I'm teaching this course, I'm spending a lot of time researching it. On one day, five individuals appeared on various uh, televised outlets and said this. First of all, the president, in speaking from the White House, and what you don't see in front of him are about 10 million, excuse me, exaggeration, are about 15 or 20 cameras televising his speech. In a line from his speech, he says that Republicans are holding Congress and the whole nation hostage. Now, that is an insinuation of criminal behavior. Uh, criminals are people who kidnap other people, hold them hostage for ransom. Terrorists do that also. So it's a tactic to try to turn the people against the Republicans in the House and to gain support for his agenda, of course, and for support of the Affordable Care Act. On the same day, Harry Reid, majority leader with awesome power in the United States Senate, referred to Republicans as Tea Party anarchists. Now, anarchist is somebody who would like to overthrow the government. Uh, normally, when, you, when I think of, an, of anarchists, I think of very, very angry people in the streets with bombs and guns. Uh, that's what we typically see. On the same day, Nancy Pelosi, former Speaker of the House, until Republicans took back the House in 2010, referred to her Republican colleagues in the House as legislative arsonists. As you know, arsonists are people who burn things down. Again, criminal behavior. And you can see that, that this has all been prearranged and pre-organized, all with criminal, uh, criminal intent. A top White House advisor, I didn't catch his name, said that House Republicans were people with bums strapped to their chest. So the insinuation is that they are terrorists. And Al Gore, former vice president and a member of that liberal community, referred to House Republicans as political terrorists. Uh, so all of this, this is arranged, you know, the approach, uh, how we're going to smear them. And Republicans counter. Uh, Republicans, it's kind of interesting, um, and I'm neither for or against. I, I think both sides are playing politics, but uh, Democrats seem to be uh, more bombastic, uh, more, uh, more likely to stretch the truth. I mean, I doubt if there's a criminal in the House of Representatives, and I don't think there's anybody in the House of Representatives that wants to overthrow the whole government, uh, anarchy. 
But Republicans respond basically with documentation and argumentation. I haven't, and I'm watching for it and listening for it, I have yet to hear a Republican who is involved in this call anybody on the other side a name. I haven't heard that yet. I've just basically heard their argumentation and documentation. So a lot of politics involved in this, and sadly, um, I, of course, everybody's looking forward to the next election, critical election in 2014 in November, when Democrats dream of taking back the House and Republicans dream of keeping the House and taking the Senate. Uh, so a lot of what you're hearing now, you're going to hear again uh, next September, October, and November. We're going to hear all of these arguments again, who said what, who did what, who voted uh, what way, and so on and so forth. And all of these people, Democrats and Republicans, or both are trying to gain advantage, and they're using the Affordable Care Act as their wedge issue. That's essentially how it works. Um, but do be advised that the government is still up and running, 85% of all agencies, and, and the, um, of course the White House Budget Office did direct agencies to start closing up shop and so on and so forth. They shut down parks and monuments. They put up, actually put up barricades at a World War II memorial. I think they may have heard that a group of World War II veterans from Mississippi were coming up uh, to see that memorial. They were flying into Washington, D.C., and they did. They came in yesterday, and they broke through the barricade, and um, they were joined by several members of Congress. No doubt they were Republicans. And they and, um, carried out their mission, as they did in World War II, and enjoyed the memorial. White, White House Budget Office also basically cut, closed down the District of Columbia. And there are ordered delays in services from several of the other government agencies. And these were basically chosen to have major impact without doing any damage on the American people and um, hopefully turning them against the Republican Party. In truth, nothing at all needed to be shut down. The government still has cash enough from the last budget to operate into November, leaving plenty of time uh, to solve, if they would get together and, and solve the problem, plenty of time to do it. What, what I'm seeing, and this is just my opinion, is basically dysfunctional government. Government that does is not doing what it was created by the Constitution to do. And what the Congress, with the support of the President and the oversight of the Supreme Court, was designed to do is to solve problems. Instead, they're using their government offices for political upmanship. And that's something that the American people should take issue with. So who is responsible, the Democrats or the Republicans? Democrats say the Republicans are responsible because they won't accept the Affordable Care Act passed by Congress, approved by the Supreme Court. Republicans say the Democrats are responsible because they won't negotiate. And if the, if the House passes a bill and the Senate disagrees, then they're both responsible or neither is responsible, however you look at it. So... That's where the, we are today. Today, uh, House Republicans will submit three measures which are aimed at reopening parks and monuments, continuing veterans' benefits, allowing the municipal government of 
District of Columbia to continue to function? Is this a political move? Probably so, uh, to make them uh, look humane and not they're not so stubborn that they become intractable. Um, the Democrats in Senate, Harry Reid has already said they're going to reject this one, and the President uh, of the United States has already said he would veto it. So, boy, these two sides are polarized, and right now it looks like there is no end in sight. Now, probably what would happen, or what normally happens in these situations, it happened back in 1995, is somebody's going to blink, somebody's going to give. And I'm guessing that, um, well, I'm not going to guess. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. So I, what I would like for you students to do is pay an awful lot of attention, spend a lot of time, and follow the continuation of this standoff between House Republicans and Senate Democrats with the President of the United States playing a role as well. Follow that in the next several days, and we'll see how our government works. We'll see if they remember why, what their job is and actually become problem solvers. Well, that's great. That's a, a really good uh, synopsis of what's happening. And we have about four questions um, here that we will go to in, in just a minute, but we are going to break uh, really quickly for an announcement. The American Government and Elections class is a remarkable look at the workings of the U.S. government, the election process, and how the Constitution sets the stage for the democracy that we enjoy today. This video series contains 32 hours of class recorded with a live audience taught by accredited AP and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson, this class is sure to energize your students with a love of learning. The classes are on demand on your time to view from the comfort of your own home. Created specifically for the high school level homeschooler, this AP level class can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Recorded and produced by Media Angels, a name you trust for quality products. Need more information? No problem. Go to MediaAngels.com and visit our class link. or go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and get ready to claim your seat. Hurry, because class is starting. Hi, and welcome back to the Current Issues in the Constitution class. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am the moderator with Professor Wilson. And uh, we are talking about the issue of the, uh, you know, the media's apparent shutdown of the government, but I'm really happy to have you here, um, Woody, that is to explain things a little bit more um, in, a, in a calming fashion because otherwise we could all become alarmist. Uh, but it's, yeah, it that, is that very important idea. to be informed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's very important to be informed because uh, some of the questions here uh, that go along with that, so let me ask you the, uh, a short one first. And it says, will Congress still be meeting during this downtime? Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. And of course, with modern technology. Um, even if they're not in Washington, D.C., they're linked in. So, yes, the uh, okay. discussions. Uh, but the problem is that the discussions that are happening in Congress are Republicans talking with Republicans, strategy and all that, and Democrats talking to Democrats. Republicans and Democrats need to talk to each other more right. uh, than they have been, they've shown so far. Good question. Right. Okay. Um, and, and there's a, quite a few other questions here. What do you think about 
barricading the outdoor memorials like World War II memorial? Is it political or necessary in okay. the same light? Do you, go ahead. There's, uh, thank you part. for that question. I, actually, that was something I was going to talk about in, in the interest of time. I wasn't able to. Um, it would have cost nothing at all. It wouldn't cost a single dime to keep those memorials open. If you've been there, they're on the Smithsonian Mall. Um, there are no park rangers about, the, you know, some security walking around, but no big deal. It would not have cost any money at all to the government to leave those open. They closed them to make people angry. And they closed uh, national parks and uh, all across the country to make people angry um, and hopefully to channel that anger against the Republicans now and in November of 2014. So very good question. There was no point other than purely political to close the World War II memorial. And the second part was, in, um, in the same light, do you agree that the senator who helped remove the barricades was acting appropriately in a form, or was, he, uh, was it a form of civil disobedience? We call that a, a, a photo op. It's difficult for me to say. I understand um, from the news that I had that uh, several members of Congress heard about what was going on and ran over there and showed up. So did they go there because they, um, they sincerely believe in this issue, because they sincerely support veterans, because they were angry about the barricades in the first place, or did they go there for a photograph opportunity, what we call a photo op, that they can use in the next election? Uh, maybe a combination of both. It's impossible to say what's on a person's mind. I think if I were a member of Congress, um, I would have probably been so angry that veterans are being thus abused that I would have run over there. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I hope, I hope that that was true of the other members that went over as well. But you always okay. got to, you know, with, with Washington, D.C. today, no matter what it is, no matter what's going on, no matter, matter what is said, you got to wonder is politics what this is about? Good question. Very good. And then, um, is it constitutional for Congress to exclude themselves from the laws they enact for the rest of the people, specifically granting of exclusions, granting themselves financial remuneration for fees, etc.? Yes, it is constitutional. What is not constitutional is the Affordable Care Act or Medicare, or Medicaid, or public welfare. Um, that's the Tenth Amendment. If you have your Tenth Amendment, or excuse me, I hope you have your Constitution handy. You take a look at the Tenth Amendment, and we're going to talk about that more. It basically says that any power not given to the federal government or denied to the states, in other words, the language is simply not in the Constitution, is the power of the states. Where health care is concerned, it is not mentioned in the Constitution. It does not say that the federal government can operate health care. It does not say that the states cannot operate health care. Therefore, it is a state power. It should never have been passed by Congress. It should never have gone to the Supreme Court. It is not the business of the federal government. Their job is to raise the military, supervise interstate commerce, uh, conduct foreign relations, uh, coin the money, and all those kinds of things. It is not their constitutional power or right to be involved in social issues. 
those are reserved to the states. But within uh, the compass of those powers, Congress can raise its own pay. Congress can provide themselves benefits, whether it's health care or uh, retirement or free transportation. They can do whatever they want to do. And it's up to us to throw them out of office or keep them in if we agree with what they did. Good question. Mm-hmm. And I think you just answered this. It says, please discuss the constitutionality or their, the lack thereof of the chances of the um, Unaffordable Care Act by the Obama administration without going back through Congress. Um, it um, will certainly have to go back to Congress. If, if the Affordable Care Act is going to be rejected, that was already tried in the Supreme Court, and that's a very interesting story that you should look into. Very strange and interesting uh, things happen in regards to the decision to uphold the Affordable Care Act. But um, to repeal it, uh, Congress can repeal a former piece of legislation. That could happen. If Republicans retake the Senate and keep the House, perhaps even expand <coughs> the size of their majority, uh, they could put a great deal of pressure. You know, both houses together could defund the Affordable Care Act. Uh, certainly, the president would veto. <coughs> excuse me, any interference he could veto it, but they would come right back, and probably it would help a Republican candidate in the presidential election of 2016. So at that point, and these guys look at things long range. Uh, you could mm-hmm. have a Republican Congress and a Republican president, and you could see the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Now, the Affordable Care Act is deeply flawed, and everybody knows it. The American people know it and oppose it to numbers up to 75%. Even Harry Reid has criticized provisions that are in the Affordable Care Act. So what do you want to do? Put it into effect and address the problems one by one as they come along. The problem is people are getting hurt by it. Or do you want to delay it for a year and go sit down together, Democrats and Republicans in Congress, and fix it? I I don't think anybody's going to argue that that people that are in desperate circumstances and cannot afford health care should have health care, and a a good Christian nation certainly uh, should be sympathetic to those people, but to pass a bill like this that does so much harm and so much damage um, and is so chaotic. I mean, we have large numbers of doctors saying that they are not going to treat Affordable Care Act patients or that they are going to get out of the profession. And, and that's just mm-hmm. one uh, of many uh, problems that this piece of legislation, this is the worst piece of legislation I am sure that Congress has ever passed. Remember that Nancy Pelosi said uh, back before it was passed, we need to pass this bill, and then we'll sit down and read it. My oh, yeah, goodness. That was ridiculous. Uh, th- that's just so dysfunctional. Uh, and it's, uh, so, it's really so worrisome. A, a, another question we have here. So how did it get passed if, if no one really read it? Yeah, basically it was a political thing um, at that time between 2008 
uh, with the election of President Obama. And um, between 2008 and 2010, Democrats controlled both houses of Congress. So they had everything they needed. The House passed it. The Senate passed it. It was created behind closed doors, out of the view of the public, and the Senate and the President signed it. And they hurried it through because they knew that once it was passed and put on the books, it would be very difficult to repeal. So how did the Supreme Court uphold it as not being constitutional if you just said it, that it is unconstitutional? Uh, the, the, um, uh, the state of Florida and uh, I think 26 other states uh, joined together to sue the federal government um, and um, ask the federal courts to declare it unconstitutional. And they got it to the Supreme Court. And it looked like as things went along that the Supreme Court was probably going to vote five to four to repeal all or parts of the Affordable Care Act. Now, when they took the first vote, it was simply um, after the hearings were all over and the lawyers on both sides did all their arguments, and uh, we were all following that very, very carefully. Uh, the Supreme Court justices went back to their chambers, and they researched the law. They looked at precedent cases, and they talked to each other about it, and they took a straw vote. And the vote was five to four, five conservatives versus four liberals on the court, five to four to repeal all or part of, our, of the care. But about a month later, we were stunned. I was shocked uh, when we find that the Chief Justice, conservative John Roberts, changed his mind and voted with the liberals. There's a provision in there that was particularly onerous where the Affordable Care Act required Americans to buy health care. Now, that... I mean, that's just purely unconstitutional. And if they didn't buy it, they would be levied a heavy fine by the federal government, and that would go on and on until they did buy it. Well, John Roberts wrote his opinion explaining his vote, and he said that that fine wasn't really the, a fine, it was a tax. The law said it was a fine. He said it was a tax justifying his vote with the liberals to uphold Obamacare. It is one of the strangest and most suspect Supreme Court decisions. To me, it's just as far out there as Roe versus Wade. It's a decision that should never have been made. But I'm just look, I, and I'm not looking at it from a Republican conservative point of view. I'm looking at it from the point of view of the United States Constitution and the Tenth Amendment. Judge Roberts and every judge on that court should understand that the Tenth Amendment reserves health care and all other social programs to the states and to state law. So, strange decision. Yeah. Um, Tara is in the, in the chat room, and her husband is a doctor, and she said, here in Florida we have yet to be told which insurance companies are in the exchanges and what they will be covering and how much they will be reimbursing the doctors. We can't even decide which, if any, we will accept. It's yeah, crazy. And, and you know, uh, yeah. I, think, I think that the, um, uh, the op operating problem here with, with what Tara is saying is we haven't been told. 
We haven't been told. In a free country and in a free market, you are not going to be told. You simply make your own decision about your health care choices. Now you are being told by the government. That is unacceptable. That is way too much power in Washington, D.C. Right. Okay. Um, Okay, here's a clarification of an earlier question. What I was trying to get at is, have the actions of the president and his administration been unconstitutional because he has delayed sections, granted waivers, and provided exemptions without first going back and having that changed by Congress? He did it unilaterally. <clears throat> Can he legally do that? You know, I wouldn't uh, go so far as to say it's unconstitutional, unconstitutional but I would call it illegal. Um, the law was passed, the law was signed, the president's job is to enforce it, carry it out, not to change it. But he has done that by granting those waivers, for example, and that is illegal. I have been waiting for a couple of years now for some Republican in Congress to go to one of the committees and submit clauses for impeachment of the President of the United States for behaving in a manner that is in some cases unconstitutional, in some cases clearly illegal, misdemeanors, because we've been getting a lot of that from the White House, and Republicans don't seem to want to do anything about that. Remember when Bill Clinton uh, had a sexual affair with a House intern, and he was impeached by the House and went on trial? before the Senate, right. that was much less in scope than what this president has done. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not for or against Obama. Uh, it's, it's a presidential constitutional thing to me. It's power mm-hmm. that, that we, the people in the Constitution, did not give to this individual. And when they operate more and more power in Washington, D.C., where there's a president, Congress, Supreme Court, that means that you and I have fewer rights. And we wait just for them to tell us what we have to do. That's not, a, that's not the democracy that I grew up in uh, many years ago. And it's just part of a dysfunction. It's a part of an overall decline of what was once a great nation, that we really need to address. Right. Okay, here's a question that's way over my head um, because it is coming from a homeschool mom who is an attorney. So, uh, Okay. Um, Isn't the House the place where taxation issues are are to be initiated? If so, since the ACA started in the Senate and the Supreme Court decided the fine was a tax. It's not actually avoidable law since it began in the wrong chamber. I don't know about taxes, um, uh, but normally taxes are, uh, are tied to budget matters, so yes, that would be the property of the House of Representatives. Now, the Affordable mm-hmm. Care Act was uh, being engineered in both houses of Congress at the same time uh, for several months, and usually in a case where a bill... Um, or something like the Affordable Care Act, or any piece of legislation that's going to cost money, and most of them do, 
uh, would be a collaboration between a House committee and a Senate committee informally as it is being written. So the budget aspect of the Affordable Care Act, of course, would begin in the House even if the initiative for the bill itself, the idea of a, an expansion in entitlements with the Affordable Care Act, uh, would begin in the Senate. So the collaboration uh, between the two groups would negate any charges of unconstitutional behavior, I would think. You know, a lot of this stuff is subject to interpretation, so. Right. And we've so my, you know, what, what I'm justices. saying might, might not be yeah. the, entire, the entire truth. Right. Okay. Well, here we have a student question. And the question is, I thought the health care bill was not funded. Isn't that still a problem? It, um, so, that there wasn't funding for that? Because I think no, that's part it, of it is, what it we, is funded. It, it was funded when okay. it was passed. And what Republicans are trying to do is defund it. And that's okay. what we, we talked about earlier by attaching it to the continuing resolution. And the Senate, of course, okay. rejected that. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for questions for now. So did you want to, um, to recap some of your thoughts here today? Well, uh, first of all, I would urge all students to uh, spend a lot of time in the Constitution, not just on the Tenth Amendment, but uh, go look at uh, Article One, Section 8, and look at the powers given to Congress. Read Article 2. It's a very short read. You know, I once asked a student, and I did it, I did it also. I asked this student to go home and uh, read the Constitution and time herself. I had a volunteer student. And I went home and, and did the same thing. She came back the next day, and I, I don't know, I gave her bonus points or something, uh, maybe, maybe a, a candy bar. And she said um, that she read the whole thing, including amendments, in 52 minutes. And I had read the whole thing in 48 minutes. Uh, so in less than an hour, you could read the whole Constitution. I'm not sure how much you would understand. The Constitution is a, a document, not, not a document that you read. It's a document that you study uh, piece mm -hmm. by piece. And frequently you're asking your mom or dad questions or you're going, doing online research to understand what something in the Constitution means. So um, for right now, Amendment 10, study it and all its implications, Article 1, Section 8, and all of Article 2. Uh, you could probably read Article 2 in 15 minutes. You could probably study it in an hour. And look and see what uh, you're asking me questions that you could answer in terms of constitutionality by studying mm -hmm. what powers the Constitution gave to the President and what powers the Constitution gave to the Congress. It would help us a lot in this discussion and help you a lot towards understanding what you're seeing in the media as well as in our discussions if you understood uh, Article 1, Section 8, Article 2, all of Article 2, and the Tenth Amendment. That would help a lot. Okay, um, another student, student question here really quick. Let me uh, jump in. Um, how long do you think they will keep this going? I guess this, by this I think it means you know, this uh, kind of stalemate. You know, yesterday when I was um, uh, organizing what I wanted to say about, about the issue, I thought I would say, well, it's my guess that, that uh, Republicans, basically, I think what is, what is happening is 
There are a lot of polls being taken right now. I mean, the, the polling companies are making a lot of money. And they're essentially showing that the people are um, already blaming Republicans for what they still believe is a shutdown. And there are millions, the majority of the American people out there right now believe that the government has shut down. And a smaller majority, but still a majority, believe that Republicans are responsible. Like I said, the Democrats have the advantage because they have 75% of the media on their side. So I was going to say um, the Republicans are probably going to fold and um, pass, you know, send the contingent uh, resolution without any attachments. Senate would uh, pass it. Uh, president would sign it, and, and the government will go on. And then Republicans will come back on October the 17th when it's time to raise the debt limit and do it again. Attach defunding, attach delay of the Affordable Care Act uh, to a bill to raise the debt limit one more time. And we'll have to talk about that at another time. But mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where Republicans have gone so long, I think they know something that um, I think they're confident that they're going to come out ahead on this because 75% of the American people oppose, in one degree or another, the Affordable Care Act. So I, I kind of thinking now, geez, maybe they're going to hang on to this thing. Uh, government did not shut down. That's gross exaggeration. Nobody's getting hurt out there. And that will go on for quite some time. So I'm thinking that maybe Republicans are going to hold the line on this, as Republicans have not done in past um, budget crises with Democrats. So I don't know. I'm not going to predict. I predicted the Supreme Court would find the Affordable Care Act unconstitutional, and boy, was I wrong. So I'm not going to predict this one. Uh, it's difficult to yeah, say. Just keep an eye on it. See if you can get a, a hint from what you hear Congress, congressmen, Democrats, and Republicans both saying. Who is giving mm -hmm. in? Who is willing to compromise? Who's blinking, uh, so to speak, as this thing continues? Right. And, and, you know, I think because, you know, you're looking at it as far as precedent and the law goes, and we're finding now, and sadly, we're living in a time that, um, you know, it just doesn't seem like, uh, you know, anybody's reading the same Constitution or, or paying attention to the same laws that are on the books. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like um, many parts of the Constitution have been swept aside and no longer have any meaning. And that is dangerous. Mm -hmm. That Constitution is widely heralded as the world's greatest political document. It is, at this moment, the world's longest-lived form of government. It is a very good system. It is a democracy that gives people freedom and rights that nobody else in the world has. And it, 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 it's a dangerous thing to watch it being eroded in the interests of political groups. That's sad to see. Right. Okay. Well, go ahead. Uh, oh, we actually have another question. This one's from Sierra, and we have one from Annie Lou from Alaska. So hold on. Uh, it says, is this budget standoff just a way for President Obama to distract the public from focusing on things like Benghazi, fast um, and furious? No, I don't think so. Um, I, think it, I think it benefited him 
uh, a great deal because he had so many failures um, uh, in Syria, in Libya, in uh, the Benghazi incident. Um, the whole Syria uh, thing with the chemical weapons and, and his, the inept foreign policy that we were seeing, the, America was embarrassed. And, of course, you have ongoing 11%. Don't listen to the government. 11% of the um, uh, American people are out of a job. We have the worst economy since the Great Depression. So, and, a, and the president's popularity rating was descending. Some polls had him down below 40% approval. So this um, is being seen, and I hear uh, uh, several informed people talking about it. This is a real boon to the president. Uh, this could save him. He can come out looking strong. He can fight this battle. He's got a lot of people on his side, including the United States Senate. And he wins this battle against the evil Republicans. Uh, then he comes out looking good. The only problem is, and, and this is one thing Republicans surely took into account. I have no doubt that Republicans caucus, that is they meet together without anybody else around, secret meetings of Republicans. I'm sure they talked about strategy. Should we delay, should we argue for delaying the implementation of the Affordable Care Act and fixing it before it goes into effect? Or should we let it go into effect and let it do all that damage to all of those people, surely we would easily recapture the Senate and keep the House in 2014 and probably the White House in 2016. Is that why they're holding on? Is that why they have not capitulated and dropped the attachment and simply sent a, a continuing resolution? But um, that question is from a very astute student um, who apparently has been paying attention to these issues. This uh, fiasco right now certainly takes the light off the president's failures and puts them into another arena. Very good mm -hmm. question. Okay, and Annie Lou from Alaska asks, what would it take to impeach Obama? Well, Annie, um, it starts in the House of Representatives, uh, and you, um, if you want to talk about impeachment, you'll find it uh, talked about in both Article One, Powers of Congress, uh, not not in the Section Eight, but in another section, and you find it also um, in Article Two. Basically, to to um, to remove a president from office, it's a two-stage process. Now, impeachment doesn't mean removal from office, and most people right. think it does. It simply means that charges are brought. So the House of Representatives could vote by a simple majority vote to impeach the president. In other words, to impeach his honor, his credibility. And if he is impeached in the House, then he will go on trial in the Senate, and the whole Senate will sit as a jury. The Chief Justice of the United States will preside over the trial. Both sides will present their arguments, like the prosecution and the defense, and when it's all over with, um, the Congress will vote, and it takes a two-thirds majority to vote to remove the president from office. Now, they, with Clinton, they had the trial, and they could not get the two-thirds vote. They got a majority vote, but they couldn't get a two-thirds vote because the people that supported the impeachment did not occupy two-thirds of the seats in the Senate. The same thing would happen with uh, 
the president, and I think Republicans and everybody knows that he would not be removed from office in this political climate. He might be impeached by the House. That could very well happen somewhere, sometime. He will not be found guilty and removed from office by the Senate. So look that up in the Constitution. Uh, you'll find it, and um, uh, have, you'll have a good understanding of how that process works. Very good, very good. And that, like you said, could be why they're not doing it, but at least it would have, you know, some sort of... Uh, of impact, I think, but, you know. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, yeah. at this point, I think at this point, um, probably the president hasn't done anything that would be considered other than misdemeanor, which is impeachable, mm -hmm. by the way, um, if you look at the Constitution. But I think an, an awful lot of people, if, if the House of Representatives did impeach uh, the president um, over these misdemeanors, I think there could be a very powerful backlash from the people. Uh, it actually might help uh, Democrats and certainly the president uh, in their various battles with Republicans and in re-election, uh, periods of re-election. So I don't think Republicans are going to do that. I think if they were going to do it, they already would have. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time, so I'll let you go ahead and uh, close us in, um, or did you already, with what you okay, wanted well, to Well, just so I would like to ask students to yeah. um, uh, be in, more involved, ask, ask more questions. Um, okay. As you follow uh, uh, the, the media, as you, whatever media you choose to follow, I would recommend that you follow both CNN, which is moderately liberal, and uh, Fox News, which is moderate to heavy conservative, get both points of view, and get a focus for this next week on the differences between liberals and conservatives. That's what I want to start with next week. What's a liberal? What's a conservative? Do some online research, uh, maybe. Look at some issues and see uh, what the different points of view are. You know, an issue, a current issue, an issue is just simply something that two groups at least disagree upon. And we call those two groups generally liberals and conservatives. So um, be aware of that and um, do some work in this coming week before next week's discussion and um, you'll understand things much better. Very and that will wrap it up good. today. Thank you all and thank you for your excellent questions. Um, it really Thank makes you. this show come alive, I think. Great. All right. Well, we'll see you next week right here at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Adjust your times from wherever you live, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com. And for more information about Professor Wilson's classes, visit AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com. See you next week.